Anyone here remember the TV show called 24? There's a few people. Okay, the premise of this show, Kiefer Sutherland was the, the, the star of the show. Um, I think up and I don't know, I know, I think it was about six or seven seasons and eventually I think he even got removed from being the star of the show. Um, but the premise was that the, the whole series or the whole season Anyway, so basically in this 24 hours, the TV season was played out and hour by hour, so much stuff happened and kidnappings and terrorists and, and like torture and, and rescuing people and mystery and intrigue and, and it all happened in 24 hours. And, and the thing is like, uh, there are probably times you go, do you know what? Oh, my day feels exactly like that. But I just, as an example, I, on Thursday, um, I've been, the kids have been working home with me and, and, and so we had a few things that we needed to go out and do. And the thing was, everything took time. We went to the orthodontist. We went to this shop and it didn't have what we needed. We went to this shop. It didn't have what we needed. And the lines were really long to find out they didn't have what we needed. And then we went here and then we went there and I got home and I went, my day has just been long and I haven't got stuff done. And then it made me, as I was thinking about this show 24, I'm going, even battling traffic at times just adds to our ever busy days. And we kind of go, how did he do that in 24 hours on that show? Like um, one traffic jam, it would have blown the whole series. Like one line up in the shop and, and, and it just would have, everything would have been gone. Like, people not returning the call when he rang. Because anyone ever find that? Like, everyone's got mobiles these days. And our expectation is when we ring you, we expect you to pick up because you're our beck and call. We may not say that verbally, but that's what we think. How dare I have to ring you three times to get you on the phone? Whereas back when I was younger, okay, this is for all the younger people, we used to have a phone on the wall which had a cord on it and you could only answer it when you're near the phone. And you couldn't take it with you, one, because you looked very special if you carried a big phone like that around with you, and it needed to be plugged in all the time. And so in our house, the problem was, because I had a number of brothers, was the fact that people were trying to call and someone would be on the phone. And sometimes it could have been my mum, it, it was never my dad, it was my mum or my brothers, and so people were trying to ring through. And even I remember when I first started doing youth ministry, um, probably a Wednesday night, Thursday night, I'd be ringing all the kids, ringing their families, reminding them. And so I'd take the phone sort of out of action for, for a couple of hours. And so in this series 24, they ring and people answer the phone. The bad guys answer the phone. No one's ever busy. Everyone's waiting for Kiefer Sutherland to do it so that he can do all this stuff in one day. But we feel like that. We feel like we are busy. And we today that's what we're going to be talking about, this idea that... Um, we are in a position where we can, we have to sort of do something to eliminate all the hurry. And so quick recap, we've been looking at redeeming your time. So if you haven't caught up on all of them, please check out the website and um, have a listen uh, as we, as we look at these different steps and how important they are. So in Ephesians 5, uh, 15 to 7, uh, 17, God commands us to redeem the time so that we can do the will of the Lord. And so far we've looked at six time management principles that we've seen in the life of Jesus. And we see, firstly, principle one, we start with the word. Uh, principle two, let your yes be yes. Um, and uh, I 
this one's actually really resonating with me because as I've, as I've been doing things like, oh, there's another little job that gets attached to it and I'm going, so my first job was to ring this person but then this needs to be done and if I leave that open there, it's either I forget about it and then it takes days to happen and so I'm, so I'm learning, oh, if I can just do that quick little job, I can cross that one off my list or I can put it in my diary for next week so I know when it's going to be done because, I, okay, I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or my brain's too, like, full of different things, or some people might say my brain's a bit too empty and so not holding on to stuff. I don't, okay, looking at smiles of people around the place. But the thing is, is that we need to find a way of actually completing those open loops in our lives. Um, Principle three was descent from the kingdom of noise. Now, this one is big for us because we are bombarded every, every which way we can be. And everything battles for our attention. And do you know what? Not only is a lot of it's not good for us, but a lot of it's not the best for us as well. See, we settle for like stuff that's okay to take our attention. We actually at times need to fight to have the good stuff come in over and above everything else. So we need to dissent from the kingdom of noise. We need to prioritize our yeses. So that means we need to say, well, we need to value where we give our yes and say, this is where my yes is best put. And to do that, sometimes you need to put no's in other areas. And we need God's wisdom to do that. We need to accept our, our unipresence, which means that we can't be everywhere at once. It's not possible. Okay? Like, not even Superman. If you realise, if you watch the Superman movies, he can't be everywhere at once. And he's Superman... God is the only one that can do that. And so we need to accept our limitations going, yeah, sometimes we're going to get to the point where God is the one who's going to fill those gaps that we can't do. And last week we looked at embracing productive rest and how rest is important so that we can serve God better and more effectively. And again, we look at daily breaks and and our sleep and enjoying God's Sabbath so we can enjoy Him and remember that we are free. And even though throughout the series we've been talking about how even though today is drastically different to in Jesus' day, he had different challenges that we had. Yeah, he didn't have social media, but he had, didn't have cars either. Um, no petrol stations to stop at. Um, and so all of a sudden for him to do one thing, it might have been a day's walk to get there. It might have, this might have taken so long to do this. Or even the act of preparing food. Like, okay, we've got to go out and fish for it. Like, it's not like, okay, where was that um, McHebrews? Um, where was that? Um, I'll just, yeah, we'll just give him a phone call. I'll, I'll get, it, get the donkey to deliver my, 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 my youth foods or whatever to me. It was none of that. So life was, was different, but it was still busy. And Jesus lived a life that was busy. Like, people demanded his time. Um, one of the most common words used in the Gospel of Mark is immediately... No less than 40 times does Mark employ this word to make an inescapable point. The life of Jesus and his disciples was busy. In fact, it, it, it surprises you when on those times that Jesus waited to do something. Like when Lazarus was in, like sick, Jesus actually waited. And all the disciples were surprised by that because Jesus normally went and did something straight away. On the Sabbath, he healed people because it was right to do good on the Sabbath. He didn't wait then. He didn't say, come back and see me tomorrow. I'll be here by 10. 
he did it right then and there. But when Lazarus was sick, it's quite surprising that he waited. But the whole point of that was to show God's glory. One time Jesus was too busy to eat and his family thought he was out of his mind. Another time Jesus' disciples tried to convince him to call it a day. And when Jesus replied in John eleven nine, he says, Are there not 12 hours in the day? Now, what he's saying is that there's 12 hours to work. In fact, the Cambridge Bible commentary translates Jesus' words as follows. Are there not 12 working hours in which a man may labour without fear of stumbling? Assembling. I have not yet reached the end of my working day and so can safely continue the work I came to do. The night comes when I can, um, when I can no longer work, but it has not yet come. So that, that simple verse when he was, the disciples are saying, Jesus, you need to slow down. Jesus is saying, hey, guys, I've still got things to do and there's still time to do it. And when that night did come, we look at Jesus at how he um, prayed to the Father in John 17, 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. And as we've seen over the past four weeks, Jesus was highly motivated to finish his work as a means of glorifying the Father. And that led him to be wildly productive and busy. So how does this idea of being busy work with the last principle, which is eliminate all the hurry? Eliminate all the hurry. How does being busy work with this? Because to redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer, we must embrace productive busyness while ruthlessly eliminating hurry from our lives. They seem to be counterproductive. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. But because while Jesus was certainly busy, the Gospels never show him hurried. Maybe because he was walking. I don't know about that. But like, um, you don't see Jesus running too often. You don't. The thing is, like, I, I know for myself, and, and, and you may have seen this in me, but some days, like whether it's church, before church, there's like five things that come up or someone wants to chat to you and you feel hurried. I've got to be there two minutes ago, but you want some time. That's happening. This is not working properly. Um, and and so sometimes you're not aware of those things. That like um, There's some Sundays when like, Tony's basically miraculously revived the sound system because something had gone wrong. And so in, in my heart, there's, there's a little bit of stress and worry and panic. Everyone else comes in all there, relax. Tony, Mr. Kiefer Sutherland is, is using, is fixing that and, and, and we start the service and everything goes to plan. But in, in my heart, there's hurry. Like when we do kids club, the day before, the day of, it is, there is a bit of hurry happening in my mind because for whatever reason, you just don't feel fully prepared. Weddings, wedding days can be, there can be a little bit of hurry in wedding days. Panic, stress, all of a sudden, we've got to be here, we've got to do this, you haven't done this. And, and normally it's someone else stressing and making you hurry because, oh, this needs to be done. You need to be here at this point in time. So what's the difference between busyness and hurry? Uh, John Ortberg puts in his book, Soul Keeping, this way. There is a world of difference between busy and being hurried. Being busy is an outward condition, a condition of the body. It occurs when we have many things to do. Busyness is inevitable in modern culture. By itself, busyness is not lethal. Being hurried, however, is an inner condition, a condition of the soul. 
It means to be so preoccupied with myself and my life that I'm unable to be fully present with God, with myself and with other people. I'm unable to occupy this present moment. Business migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. That becomes the big difference. Busyness migrates to hurry when we let it squeeze God out of our lives. Because again, when we look at Jesus' life, he was busy, but when we look back to principle one, spend time in the word, it was for Jesus, it was spend time with God the Father, he prioritised that as well. He had a perfect balance in his life, so he could be busy, he knew when he had to rest, he knew when other things needed to happen. He, we basically get to see this perfect balance because God was very much a part of his life. See, busyness is having a lot of meetings on your calendar. Hurry is scheduling those meetings back to back, forcing you to sprint from one meeting to the next without enough time to hear your own thoughts. Have you ever done that where you're basically racing from one thing to the next and basically you feel like you're running, whether internally or actually physically as well, and you actually get, just before you get to the door, you compose yourself, take a deep breath and go, hey, I just want to walk in and look like everything's in control. Like sometimes we do that, because, but we in, internally we're going, Aah. we just feel like, okay, we're waiting for life to just stop. Hurry is getting mad about choosing the wrong line at Woolworths. Anyone do that? Like, I, I am, I'm sort of, I want to be in and out really quickly. Oh, there's three people in front of me. It's going to take an extra 10 minutes. I'm, I've got things to do. Well, there should be, there should be more people on the checkouts. And so all of a sudden we're demanding the world change because we feel hurried. What, what could you do in 10 minutes of, of you when you're standing idle? Have a coffee? Well, you, it's hard to do that when you're in the middle of Woolies. You'd have to go get the, go get the coffee and bring it back. Uh, you, you could. I, I was actually being trying to be a bit more spiritual than, than Robin. Um, but I was thinking praying. Um, you could actually, you could share the gospel with the person behind you who's also feeling hurried. And you could go, isn't it great that we have a time to slow down? For me, I use this time to slow down and, and reflect about what God is doing in my life. And they're stuck there because they don't want to give up that space. They are stuck. All of a sudden, they're going, that line is going slower, so I've got to stay here and listen to this person. Okay, well, we're trying not to scare them out of, out of the kingdom. We, we, we want to do it in a way that they... they, um, they but, but the thing is, we do that... What about traffic? Anyone feel harried in traffic? All of a sudden, they anyone... I've, one of my brothers I drive with and he is a lane changer. There's a gap there, I'm going over that side and I'm going over this side. And, and the funny thing is I watch people like that in traffic and normally I'm driving and, and I'm probably thinking bad things about them in my head but what happens, I drive up and they get to the next red light, I pull up right behind them. They've changed multiple times, back and forth, back and forth. I'm going to get ahead somehow and I pull up behind them. But we, we, we hurry like that. Ken Davis actually shared a story about um, even going to church on a Sunday morning and saying, before church, you are throttling the kids and saying, we need to get ready for church so we can learn about the love of God. <laughs> We've got to be there on time. We've got to do it. We can't. And, 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 like, and I can imagine, maybe even some of you are out in your cars as you pull in, straighten up, everyone sort of calm down, take that deep breath, walk in, okay, and be at peace. 
Why? Because we are feeling the hurry. Tomorrow, in my family, I'm, I'm sure other families, school goes back. That hurry is going to happen again. Guys, get out of bed. We've told you a hundred times to get out of bed. But I've been able to sleep in the last eight weeks. Like, I don't want to get out of bed. And that's just Elizabeth. So, um, <laughs> almost all of us are busy and hurried. And that, that's a problem because it's not the way of Jesus and therefore it's not the model of redeeming our time. So we need to ask this question, what is causing all of our hurry in the first place? And there are many answers to that question, some external, some internal. Perhaps most practically our hurry stems for our failure to count the cost of our time. And Jesus uses this accounting terminology with his disciples in the Gospel of Luke, looking at that passage that Jimmy read earlier. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all will see and begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. And the thing is, we don't do this, I suppose, actively. What happens, things will come up in our life and we we don't prioritise our yeses. We go, yes and yes and yes. And all of a sudden, we've got all these open loops in our lives and life is getting crazy busy and we're starting to feel hurried because we haven't taken time to consider the cost. And for a lot of us, that seems so normal, where we we feel like we are biting off more than we can chew in a 24-hour period. Other reasons for this is that I think sometimes we pride ourselves in our busy, which means we pride ourselves in our hurry. What I mean by that is that we like to look busy. It might be uh, something that we have success in or something that we can brag about. Look how busy I am. And we even do it spiritually. We have people that are go, I'm busy at work, I'm busy at home, I'm busy doing this, I'm doing all these good things, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm proud about the fact that my life is full of things. I'm, I'm proud about, I, do you know what? If the church door is open, I'm there. I'm, I'm proud about the things, I fill my, my calendar up with things. Because it, I suppose it, what happens, it, it goes into the next one, is that um, our hurry defines who we are like we we if we took away all our hurry at times we would get to the point go well who am i and so when we can define ourselves by what we do and therefore do a lot of things so we can have a greater definition like we we kind of need that in our lives and we rely on that and this is why when that first week i looked at um we need to be at peace before anything else, before anything happens. And part of this is because our identity actually is not through what we do, it's through what Jesus has done. That's as simple as that. And the thing is, though, if we rest on this identity of, of letting hurry define us and go, if I just fill my life with things, that, that will show, show me that I'm important, give me some worth, that hurry will continue. And in so doing, maybe because of those reasons, we choose our hurry. We, we choose our hurry and, or, or maybe even it's flowing through a lack of trust in God working in and around us. I was reading the word for today. I think it was Thursday. So if you're using word for today on Thursday, it shared um, a devotion. And it started with this line. It said, patience is born of trust. 
grab me straight away because patience is one of those things that, I, okay, spiritually, I feel like I grit down and go, I've just got to be more patient. And I, so I'm going to just work harder. And I'm going to be more patient. My kids annoy me. I'm going to be more patient. Like I'm waiting on God. To, I'm, 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 and, so, and so it's very much a self-effort is my patience, I feel sometimes. And I read this verse and went, patience is born of trust. I went, that, that makes sense because God has a plan for my life and it includes things that God does not want me to have today. And so there are things that I sit here today and go, God, I want to have the answer for that. I want to know what's happening with that. I want this to, to happen right now. And God's saying, but it's not happening today. So just trust in me and you can be patient. He says, um, they, a word for they went on to say, when the rain comes, the grass grows on its own. So stop struggling to accomplish something now that will be easy when the time is right. Don't you, don't you realize that? Like sometimes we work so hard to achieve something that God wants to do in our life, but we do it at the wrong time. And it feels hard. And sometimes we give up saying, God, I, I wanted to see this happen. And obviously you did it, so I'm giving up. Never going back to it. And God says, um, that, I, I did have that booked in. It's about three weeks down the track. So our, our Google calendars, we're not synced at all. Maybe you need to be, spend more time in the Word. But all this, whether we, we, we sort of, our hurry is because of our pride or our hurry is because of our, our, our defining ourselves or, or the fact that we're choosing hurry because we don't trust in God, we see this different in the life of Jesus. See, like we must be like Jesus and embrace being busy and productive towards his aims in the world and actually taking time. And again, this is, this is what we've sort of been building in the last few weeks. We need to take time and say, God, what don't you want in my life? Do you know what? I can't answer that question for you all the time. Sometimes it'll be very obvious. Oh, you're, spend, you're spending time on the PlayStation 23 hours a day. That could be an issue. Um, some people is that they watch news hour after hour and all of a sudden they've got, they're worried about everything that's happening in the world because you've just watched 10 hours of the news and you've just forced that down into your brain and you go, that could be the issue. Like, there, there could be some things that are obvious, but you know what, there are going to be things that only God knows. And so this is where all these principles work in. We've got to start with the Word. We've got to start with our time with God. And we've actually got to take that time of, of solitude and say, God, what are those things that you want me to get rid of? And do you know what? It could be really drastic. I'm not saying God does not ask us to do drastic things. It could be change a job. It could be move away. It could be, do you know what? If you want a simple lifestyle, I want you to go and actually over to P&G and um, I want you to minister for me over there. Internet's not really good. Electricity's not really great. So you're going to be in bed by seven each night and you'll be up when the sun gets up. Like, that might be God's plan for you. And the thing is, as much as we are worried about holding on to what we want to do, when we enter willingly into God's plan for us and in his timing, there is peace there. And this is why we, each one of us, I can't pray for you this prayer. I can't go, oh, well, I can pray it for you, but if you're not willing and open, if you're not coming before God saying, God, I'm open for you to actually say the things I need to change, it's like an engaged signal that God is getting all the time. 
And so you've got to be willing to do that, to pray about what God wants to change in my life. So that's where we've been working through this um, series. And the thing is, what I don't want you to do is that sometimes we go through a series like this and you pick up on some of the things, I've got to do this and this and this and this, and then my life is going to be ordered. And we get into, I suppose, what I call the darker side of discipline, a legalistic form of discipline where we go, if I follow these 10 things religiously, then my life is going to be great. We need to be aware of this because Jesus was disciplined with his time on earth. He was intentional about glorifying the Father and finishing the work he was given to do, but he wasn't locked into this religious practice that he had to do. Jesus' example shows us that discipline is a virtue and this is a theme the writers of Scripture carry through the New Testament. For example, the Apostle Paul um, writes in um, 1 Corinthians 9, Don't you know that when people run on the racetrack, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run in such a way that you will win it. Everyone who goes in for athletic exercises, um, um, self-discipline in everything. They do it to gain a crown that perishes. We do it for an imperishable one. Well then, I don't run in an aimless fashion. I don't box like someone punching the air. No, I give my body, um, I give my body rough treatment. And I make it my slave in case after announcing the message to others, I myself should end up being disqualified. As Christ followers, we don't run through life in an aimless fashion. We are called to self-discipline in everything or what Paul also calls self-control when he lists the fruit of the Spirit. So discipline is a byproduct. So byproduct means it comes from a Spirit-filled Christ-like life. And again, you know, I was talking about patience earlier, and sometimes patience is I grit really hard and I just spiritually, I've just got to work harder and I'll get it done. That's my own effort. Patience that comes from trusting in God is God's effort. And the same way our discipline must flow from a spirit-filled Christ-like life. So as we bring the series to a close, um, we, we need to make sure that um, don't make discipline the ultimate thing and turn it into an idol. Discipline is a gift, but it also can be a curse. Um, so let me, to encu- let me encourage you to be look out for two signs that you've crossed over to the dark side of discipline and you turn this good gift into an idol. Firstly, we are, if you have crossed over that line, we are unable to extend grace to others who are less disciplined than ourselves. Now, I know none of you are like this. You don't judge other people by how poorly they do things. I, I know all of you like so well that that's not happening here in a church. Maybe, maybe you judge me a bit like um, because I'm not super disciplined, but, but you're all sort of just... Like you're disciplined, you're holy, you're perfect. So that's, but like just in case someone did cross over that, maybe you've done that once before in your life. The thing is, what happens all of a sudden? We 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 get to the point going, I have not missed a Sunday of church for 32 years, and so I look down my nose at everyone else who has. Like we not only just they may have missed one in 32 years, or they may have missed the whole 32 years. We look down on the same. We can do. It can be, oh, I show up and do this or I'm, I, I'm proud of the fact that I've read my Bible every day 
And see, the thing is, as soon as you say that or think that, I'm going, God is not actually working while you're reading your Bible every day. You're not giving him the time of day if you can come away from reading the Bible and feel proud. The Bible actually sort of, when I read the Bible, I don't feel proud about, oh, yep, that's me. I can relate to that character and that character. I've done that before. I'm going, like, it's not the feeling I walk away from. So if you're feeling proud about reading the Bible every day, you're missing the point. We can't forget that everything we have, including our ability to be disciplined as we redeem our time, has been graciously given to us. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. And our ability to be disciplined in redeeming our time is a gift of grace. Just like salvation. So we need to realise that if others are struggling to have that disciplined life, maybe we come alongside them, we pray for them, encourage them, lift them up, be patient with them, be gracious to them. So that's the first thing we've got to watch out for. The second thing is that when we are unable to extend grace to ourselves. See, the thing is, I'm going to remind you again, the gospel frees us from the need to be productive. God does not need us to finish our to-do list. Some of us feel that way, that I'm going, I've got to achieve all this in my life. And it is humbling to say, God, I can't, I can't finish the rest of this. Sometimes we've got to leave that to the next person. Sometimes we've just got to leave it to God and say, God, this is yours now to finish and fix. What we need to realise that is that God loves us and accepts us no matter how many good things we do and no matter how productive we are. There is not going to be a line in heaven of the people like, okay, people that have done a thousand things for God, people that have done 10,000 things for God, people who have done a hundred thousand things for God. There is going to be two lines. For those, one, for those who have accepted the work of Christ that he has done in their lives, and one who hasn't. It's not about our work at all. So don't judge yourself saying, I'm not, I can't do as much as everyone else. I can't, I can't achieve as much as what other people are doing and, and we're not extending that grace to ourselves. And so all of a sudden we actually bear another burden and feel more guilty about not living our faith out in the way we think we should be doing. God loves us no matter what. So as we finish this up, I, I pray that you are willing to look ahead in this year and hope that God will sort of take hold of what he's wanting you to do. That God is going to be involved in every step of that process. God is going to free you from the expectation that you feel like you're putting on yourself. But in so doing, what will happen, I believe that God will be able to do more through you because you are letting him work in your life. And so that's the challenge for us as we head into the year, to redeem our time as individuals, to redeem our time as a church, and hopefully to give God the glory through all that we do. Let's just take some time to pray. Lord, we thank you that um, you understand busyness. You understand that there is a lot happening in our lives, but at the same time, you want us to walk in step with you. And as we look at your life, even though you were busy, you were never hurried. 
You never felt the stress of, 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 of being out of control. And Lord, I, I pray that we understand that this starts with our relationship with you. This starts at a place where we go, God, you are going to be the centre of all that I'm doing. And so everything from lining up at Woolies to driving in a car to, to waiting for God to take a step in your life, all of a sudden we are in sync with you. And in that synchronisation, I pray that as we spoke about last week, we take on your yoke that fits us well. It's not that the burden is light or, or, or burden is sort of, is, doesn't have any weight, but we are, we are synchronised with you and therefore it feels easy to walk in obedience with you. I, I pray that we stop battling you. I, I pray that we are in a position where we um, acknowledge your lordship. We acknowledge that you know better than us. You acknowledge that we, we acknowledge that there might be changes that we need to make and be open to that, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our, our minds to where the changes need to be, to what we need to stop, to what we need to do. And, Lord, let you be Lord in our lives. And because of that, because we are resting in you, because we are trusting in your spirit, that we would know peace in the midst of the busyness. In the midst of the craziness of life, you are the God who's in control. And I thank you that you have shown us this, Lord. I pray that it becomes a reality for each one of us and for our church. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.